Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Nightlight Part 2. This isn't an obscene episode. I might be next week, but... And I'm not nervous about interviewing our now famous TV celebrity guest. Um, I'm not running late. Calling into the switchboard. Uh, I was just digging the last hole for Teresa and I came up empty again. I'm sorry, Teresa. I'll dig another 1,715 test pits tomorrow. Uh, We have returning guests tonight, but they have new materials and exciting updates to share with us. You may remember Teresa and Dan Duke from appearances on Nightlight over the last couple of years and many other big-time shows. Dan is the author of Jesse James and the Lost Templar Treasure, and they co-authored The Mysterious Life and Faked Death of Jesse James, and they are working on the final installment of their trilogy of their great-great grandfather jesse james hi Teresa and dan how are you we are good i we're really glad to be here again tonight thank you hey mark thanks for having us on oh yeah th- thanks for uh being willing guests and um you know, providing an excellent show uh for us um uh, so, Teresa, are uh, you calling in to say you found the money from the Huntington, West Virginia heist? I wish. <laughs> oh, okay. And, no, I'm um, calling in to tell you to keep digging, dig harder. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, like I really believe you. <laughs> okay, so and... Barbara wanted me to ask about uh, 
Jesse being in uh, Goodlettsville, Tennessee. Do you, have, do you have any information on that? Goodlettsville? Mm-hmm. I don't have – the name of the town doesn't ring a bell. Let me see. What county is well, that Barbara in? and I want our money back. <laughs> no, no. According, according to everybody here, Jesse James and his brother vacationed here um, several times. Oh, um, and near Nashville, place yeah. Where, near Nashville, yeah. Okay, yeah. There, well, I know of a very large – well, it's a legend of an extremely large treasure they were involved with burying. It's supposed to be huge. I mean, really big. Uh, down near Brentwood – which is about the same distance from Nashville as as uh, Goodlettsville is, only it's on the southern side. Somewhere okay, down there, Brentwood. Of, yeah, I'm north of uh, north of Nashville, but they okay. even drove me by the house, so ah. it's definitely a part who claim, of. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, it's just you know, I, I'm oh, sure it, there it are plenty of people that. that where that when they were showing me around and giving me the highlights, and it was like, and this is where Jesse James and his brother stayed when they were on vacation from robbing trains. So they stayed in a lot of places, and it wouldn't shock me. Um, I haven't heard of the name of that that town yet, but I, I know he was in Tennessee quite often. There's some places that claim they have photos of of Jesse and Frank working at a, a, a sawmill. But that the photos we've seen don't match the photo, the you know the historically accepted or our photos. So, gotcha. but that doesn't mean he wasn't there. It's just somebody was claiming a, a guy in a photo was him. But yeah, he I know they were in Tennessee a lot. Well, um, since you're close to, if you're close to Goodlettsville, you should maybe start hanging around uh, Brentwood. <laughs> <laughs> They, I live in they claim that's, Yeah, they say that, um, oh, it was near a coal mine or something down near Brentwood. I, I'm not sure if it was a coal mine. It was some type of mine down near Brentwood, and it was supposed to be near that. That's all I'm I know. check it out. And it's supposed to be very deep, and they, you know, a lot of tunnels and stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm oh, going oh, underground that's the legend. for sure. <laughs> yeah, and you know how legends go. Yeah, I mean, it, it may not be usually... As the years go on, the, the the treasure legends get you know the treasures get larger and, and deeper. <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of legends, but usually there's a grain of truth to them. I was, I was checking the um, where you know the heists happened and um, Barbara's town isn't mentioned. Uh, no, just um, but that would be different. Well, usually if they were if they were vacationing there, they usually wouldn't touch it. Kind of like the a lot of mafia. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were hiding out in an area, they made sure nothing was you know they they, they minded their manners while they were there because they didn't want to draw oh. attention to themselves. And oh, yeah, you know, uh, there was probably a, they probably knew a lot of influential people around Nashville who they didn't want to upset too bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, that explains why um, Goodlettsville isn't mentioned uh, <clears throat> in your list of uh, places where the 
robberies happen since they were just there on vacation. <laughs> just, you know. Yeah. Well, and another right. point, um, there's a lot of things that history never mentioned that we wouldn't have known if we hadn't have read it in his journals. So, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, for example, places in Louisiana and people he stayed with, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Gervais Fontenot, who's, who was the nephew of Jean Lafitte, the famous pirate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, nobody would have known that if we wouldn't have found it in his diaries. So it, was, it was pretty interesting. And it may, I'd love to know yep. every detail of his life, and maybe one day we will. Okay. Well, uh, we'll uh, get to that over the next hour and 50 minutes. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just, okay. uh, you know, just want to uh, start off with, um, you know, your appearance on the History Channel's America's Book of Secrets, uh, season four, episode three. And it's entitled Freemason Factor, and yeah. you, know, you provided some uh, Civil War era insights. You know, it's a transitionary uh, period uh, for American Masonic organizations. Uh, I, I thought it was really a, a fantastic a- episode, and you, know, you and the other commentators did an excellent job of recreating post-Civil War America, Masonic history, uh, some of the artwork. And, uh, you know, maybe later on we can get a uh, couple questions uh, I, I developed okay. after watching the episode, uh, some of the customs, like you know, sh- showing George Washington uh, – uh, sprinkling some grain and oil on a cornerstone, and Lynn uh, Picknett, uh, uh was very informative too. And you know, she, she was a guest with uh, Barbara a couple of years ago. So, um, it, so you know, give us some of the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, how do you uh, get approach to? Uh, be a, a commentator on a uh, for an episode. Um, yeah, just kind of uh, you know, wh- what are some of the behind the scenes stories that went along with you know get getting there, then then you know doing the shoot, and then the uh, wait till it actually airs. Okay. Um, yeah, I was. Well, they they had contacted my agent, uh, Fiona Thomas, Fiona Spencer Thomas, and um, I, I always get that last name mixed up. <laughs> anyway, um, they contacted my agent, Fiona, and and she set it up. You know, she was the middleman between us, and um, she told me, yeah, if you'd like to do this, or you know, they'll fly you out to Hollywood and interview you. And it was you know during the middle of COVID, so every I was excited, but it was kind of a bummer because I didn't get to see a lot of places I would have loved to have seen in Hollywood. But um, so I, you know, flew out to Hollywood. TSA took my hair gel from me in Denver. <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was interesting. And then, um, but I thought, okay, you know, it, it's for safety. But anyway, so I gave them my hair gel, made it to California, 
and came back. But when I was there, you know, they put me up in a hotel, and that was fun. Um, it was just the Bob Hope Airport, you know, just people you've heard of. When when I was a kid, I'd, I'd hear the name Bob Hope and, you know, see old shows and stuff. I, it was really cool. And uh, But, yeah, the interview went great. They wanted to know about the book. We, they talked to me for about an hour and uh, in a historic home in Oh, what's the name? It was on the uh, oh, the name of the town that slips my mind. It's a little part of L.A. But uh, they, so there was a historic home they rented, and they interviewed me there. And just the history there was interesting. But um, then I I packed up and flew back home right after the interview. Hmm. And okay, Hollywood was pretty much just because of COVID. You know, everybody was there. Of course, they're all just in their homes and not not moving. So how long did it take to do the shoot? It took about – well, the shoot – when I, from the moment I got there after I signed the I don't have COVID release and all that, um, it took about an hour. They interviewed me for about an hour, and then we we talked a little bit, and then I was on my way home. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was real quick. That was quick. Uh, they yeah. had everything set up and ready when I got there. I think – and they were extremely busy. They had, uh, I think it was three or four more people there to interview, and then they had to fly to Northern California and enter some, uh, interview some more. Um, they interviewed a lot, like half a dozen people that day, and just getting everything right and the lighting and everything, you know, on for a for the set. They, I'm sure that was a lot of work. So my hats off to them for all the work they do and put into it. And then, you know, of course, I had to fly to other states to interview the other guests on the show, like Arturo De Hoyos and the others. Mm-hmm. You know, Lance Reddick uh, does a great job hosting, and you know, he has a uh, excellent voice for being a, a narrator. Uh, you know, was he on the set, too? He wasn't on the set. Um, oh. The... the uh, the producer was there, and the, you know everybody else. But she had to. Uh, she, they were they were extremely. What they had done. Usually, I believe he may have been there. She told me it was completely different because of COVID. Everything they were doing was you know it was almost like a new territory for them as well. They were trying to cut the amount of ex- exposure that everyone had to everyone else, and it was it, COVID put a big damper on a lot of things. But but it turned out great. Mm-hmm. It, it it really uh, was a uh, well done episode. I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed agree. it. You know, I was worried about that. I, I thought, God, I hope I hope you know all the different little things. People, I hope I did my hair right. I hope this, hope that, and very nice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And let's look at uh, you know few of the highlights that were uh, uh, brought up uh, by you and some of the other commentators. Um, You were uh, discussing like the Civil War era and uh, what Reconstruction uh, time period, and you're talking a little bit about the uh, Knights of the Golden Circle, 
in relation to uh, Masonic history. Uh, so, you know, was you, know, you do uh, touch on it in uh, both of your uh, books. Um, so what was Jesse's involvement with um, a fraternal organization? How was the Knights of the Golden Circle a little different than uh, you know just the regular Freemason uh, fraternity? You know, copper and put in the Copperheads as well. That they seem. Yeah. Uh, so it's somewhat related to uh, you can kind of go with those general type questions. Okay. Well, just there's no first off right off the bat there's no proof, no known proof that Jesse was a member of the Knights of the Golden Circle, and there's no known proof that Albert Pike was a member either. A lot of people like to lump them in there. And uh, you know, and even people who may who were members of that group may have liked lumping them in. Just you know, well-known characters. Well, Jesse back in the day was known as a hero to half the country. So, you know, he he would have. I'm sure they would have liked adding his name to the list too. Uh, kind of like happens with other other secret societies throughout history. People like to lump in you know famous people's names. It adds a an air of legitimacy to to their group. And I don't know if he was a member or not. I don't, there's, I've never found any proof. And, you know, you get people going, well, my grandfather said, well, does your grandfather have proof? That's, that's what you need is proof on paper, you know, and and these days, especially, you can't just go by word of mouth. You have to find the proof. So uh, Uh I haven't found that proof yet, but there are interesting coincidences like uh there they did a the james gang hit a bank in akabak corridan iowa uh, it was the akabak brothers bank in corridan iowa and the the interesting part of that they wrote before they hit the bank there is there was a controversy in that little town um there, a railroad wanted to come through and a famous copperhead politician uh, henry clay dean Want, he he was he was for the uh, the railroad coming through, and so he was you know, the the most of the town wanted it because it would have brought more business to the town, but the Akabak brothers who owned the banking town and controlled you know they had they were the big guys the money men in that that small town they were against it so they weren't throwing any money towards supporting this railroad, so the day of the robbery. Coincidentally, Henry Clay Dean, who was he was a well-known speaker, orator, uh, he was on one side of the town, the opposite end of the town, giving this this speech. And they said back in the day, people would ride 50 miles to see him speak. And you know, 50 miles today is just a few minutes drive, but back then that was a long journey. And so people people crossed the country, came from miles around to hear him speak. The whole town. And, you know, everybody in the town was on that far end of town listening to his speech. So the the James boys rode into town, walked in the bank, robbed it easily, got out, you know, got back on their horses. And as they were riding, instead of going the way they came in, they they sauntered by the crowd and said, uh, somebody just robbed your bank. And 
And uh, people turned around and hushed them because they wanted to hear the speech. And they rode on laughing. And, you know, before the posse knew that, you know, realized there actually was a bank robbery, they were long gone. Now, I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, mm-hmm. there's no pr- there's no proof, but you could see very easily how, well, Henry Clay Dean being a copperhead, he supported the South. The James Gang wrote for, you know, a Southern guerrilla group um, before they were outlaws. So you could you could kind of... You can piece that together fairly easily, I and mean, it doesn't take a long stretch of imagination to make one wonder if Henry Clay Dean wasn't serving as a decoy to hit the bank because they wouldn't support the railroad that they wanted through there. And it, it just seems a little coincidental to me. But they, they after that robbery, they, they went and disappeared out west, and Jesse came down through – Jesse and – some of the gang came down through Texas. Okay. And, and that's, um, where they got away with between 6,000 and $70,000. Yeah. It was always interesting on that big gap in, in, in how much they got away with. I always get a kick out of that. Between six and seventy thousand, that's a big difference, especially back then when dollars were oftentimes gold or backed by gold. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, and, a lot of money. Yeah, and, and um, let's see. And it, during the um, yeah your segment on the show, um, they or the History Channel, uh, was using, uh, had made colorized photos of obviously uh, black and white photos for uh, many of the uh, accompanying uh, uh, pictures to go with what you or one of the other commentators uh, was discussing. So, um, Teresa, did did you, uh, you know, submit uh, those photos? You get the uh, you know, a nice profile of Jesse. Uh, and there's uh, one of the funeral ones, which was different from. One in the uh, in your fake death uh, book, you, you know, did did the colorized photos from the episode um, cause you to see something different? Uh, bring some new uh, type of insight uh, to you? Uh, well, it didn't really bring any new insights. Um, I know when we had some of the uh, photos examined with the forensic analyst, um, uh-huh. that brought a lot of insight um, because they had some um, equipment where they could enlarge and zoom in um, at a greater level than, you know, just looking at it with your, like, just your eyes, your normal eyes, um, mm-hmm. and there were it it showed um, 
things on the faces and comparisons that we we were never able to see with the naked eye. Um, like one, for example, um, it was the picture of the most uh, famous picture, the one that's of Jesse James that all the historians accept James compared to one of um, the one that we compared in the book alongside it. It showed uh-huh. scars that you can't see with the naked eye when you zoomed in on their equipment. You could see scars of this deep crevice along the jawline um, on both of the pictures. Um, and that, just, that, that blew us away because we never even could see that just, you know, with the naked eye. And then that that brought in a whole new level of excitement and insight, like, wow, how many people have a scar just like that in the identical spot? Um, you know, and it was just really exciting. So, yeah, there were things that, that we could see, I mean, that we couldn't see that the forensic analysts could bring out with their advanced uh, you know, equipment, and it was it was really exciting. Okay, and the the black and white photo is on the cover of Jesse James and the Lost Templar Treasure, right? Yes. That's the same oh, yes. same one. Wait, okay. wait, the uh, let's see, yeah, that black and white photo. Yep. I'm, for some reason, I had the funeral photo in my mind, and that was yeah, the second book. Yeah, it, and how is people watch that episode? What's the difference between that uh, photo and the uh, few examples in your book? The difference between the most famous photo and the examples in our book. Yeah. Um, we're, we're like what Jesse is attending his own funeral with. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, where you believe Wood Height is the person mm-hmm. actually in the coffin. Yeah. And they're different, uh, different photos. It was just interesting. Yeah, which which photos were different? You mean? There, uh, there's the one, uh, the one in your, the mysterious life and fake death, mm-hmm. is a different, uh, person, uh, photo of someone in a coffin, than what's in the TV. Oh yeah. Episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that yeah. And now I get what you mean. The the most famous photo of him in a coffin, it wasn't him actually, but the the one they they claimed was him, they are two different men. Uh, The guy who was dead in the coffin and the guy who's in the funeral photo don't look, they don't look alike. And, you know, we were laughing about that. It's like, how could they, people just accepted it for some reason. I guess it's kind of like today a lot of times. You can hear something on the on the TV and people accept it, and then later on you find out it's fake or false information, and people are people you know sometimes get mad, but they they blow it off and they fall for the same type of thing later, right? You know, shortly after that, 
And it just, oh, we were kind of, we were wondering about that, but people took people's word for it. And then again, nobody really knew what he looked like to begin with, other than his family and his, his gang members who were also his good friends. So there wasn't really anybody to, to say yes or no, that is or isn't him. Which was, you know, so everybody didn't, nobody really had a chance other than to accept it. And then when you find out he was related by blood to the governor and several of the other people involved in, in allegedly pursuing him, it may, it makes things a lot, a lot clearer on how they kept things. It wasn't just his gang and his family. His, I mean, his, the governor at the time was his own, was his relative as well as some of the other law enforcement. Just It was an interesting story, but the differences in there, we believe, and that's where there's no, we, we believe, it's our theory, that the guy in, in the casket in the most famous photo, you know, the death photo of Jesse is what they claim, we believe that was mm-hmm. the farmhand who died. And his name was Jim Gibson, and he, he was a farmhand. After, that, after he was killed, no, you know, people didn't know he was killed for a long time. But uh, a lot of people, pe- that he's you just can't find him anywhere. He's disappeared from the pages of history, and we know why because he was dead. But um, they buried him in a shallow grave, and then Wood Height was killed in the same fight. And uh, by by, we believe Bob and Charlie Ford shot him. There was a huge fight, gunfight right there in the house, and uh, Jim. Woodhite killed Jim Gibson, and Bob and Charlie shot Woodhite. And, you know, it's, I guess, a gunfight. I can only imagine it would be insane being in the middle of a gunfight. Tempers flared, everybody ready to draw anyway. So, but, uh, yeah, Jim Gibson, we believe, is the guy in the famous death photo, and then that's Woodhite at the funeral. Okay, I'm... And to this day, no one can locate the grave of Wood Height either. They they claim his body was sent back to to his home in Kentucky. There's no grave. There's no mention of a funeral for him. There's no there's nothing. And no one can you know our detractors used to say, oh, we know he died this you know on this date, and well show us a grave, and nobody could find a grave, or present one, produce one. Okay, and the beards and face look different between the uh, photo of the coffin in the house and at the graveside. Mm-hmm. I just... The yeah, you know, those just don't seem to match up. And you know, I, I think when you two were with us last summer, um, according to legend, that Jesse was shot in the back of the head in 1882, and. There is no exit wound in either of the uh, photos. Yeah. Yet they claimed there was a hole in the wall at the house where where it was where he was allegedly killed, 
in St. Joseph, Missouri. We we had been there, and you know you get um, the, none, none, no part of their stories ever matched. People were saying there was there had to have been an exit wound because there's a hole in the wall. And then uh, we found out from one of the elderly gentlemen who used to whose parents owned that house and you know would charge tourists a quarter or whatever to come through and and view the house. They um, one of the guys who owned it before them would pour chicken blood on the floor and say, look, there's pieces of, and he would sell splinters <laughs> with chicken blood on it, telling people it was Jesse's blood on the, on the floor. And, uh, you know, they had this hole they showed off, not to mention the fact that the ceiling was extremely low and it would, a child wouldn't have needed to get on a chair. You know, the story was he, he stood up on a chair and he was dusting the photo and, and people just accepted it. But if you see the room where it happened, it was said to have happened, they, it, the ceiling is so low, you don't need a chair. I mean, a child would need, wouldn't need a chair to, to dust a photo on, in that room. It was just the whole story just kind of, their story just fell apart. Yeah, I think and, were, I can't remember, wasn't there, was there another person who did the ballistics test proving that there was no... Yeah, there was a lady, uh, there was a uh, a bliss firearms expert in New Mexico. And there was even a documentary with her on there. She was, she was, she said the way, the way that the entire killing was explained in the history books and, you know, documented back then in the newspapers, it couldn't have happened that way. She said, if somebody would have shot somebody at point blank range with a 44, it would have blown the guy's head off. You know, he wouldn't have a face, mm-hmm. and yet his yet you know in the funeral in the the death photos, both men have you know their faces don't look distorted or or mangled in any way. Right. But yet they're still they still um, use that as a a tourist site about the famous the bullet hole, like they yeah. they still push that story even though it's been yep. proven. <laughs> So okay, well, the, the, yeah, there and you know the episode did uh, uh, mention that it, it, it was you know, your uh, Ter- Teresa and your theories that uh, Jesse did um, uh, was not. Uh, Killed in 1882, and he would live, uh, about 60 some more years later. So you know there yeah. is, you know, they do, you know, touch on you know, just due to time constraints, they did, you know couldn't develop the whole uh, scenario. But you know, they uh, do indirectly mention you know, the thesis of your. Uh, faked death book. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, the other point on that is, you know, if they had plan, if they had had time and actually planned it, it also goes to show that they didn't plan to kill Jesse's first cousin, Wood Height. It was it was a spur of the moment thing. Wood Height got in a fight with Jim Gibson, the farmhand. They were involved in the love triangle with Bob and Charlie Ford's sister, Martha Bolton. There was a shootout. Both of those guys died. <laughs> And Wood Height bore a very strong resemblance to Jesse, so they 
they passed him off as the body of Jesse. It was kind of a spur of the moment thing, and in in that light, they did a real good job of pulling it off. I mean, that was that was hats off to them. So <laughs> it was the the problem came when you find the truth and people don't want to accept the truth because of various reasons, their ego, money, things like that. I remember when we came out with it, our mother came out with the truth in the late 90s, and we thought they would be happy to hear that he wasn't killed by Bob Ford, Bob and Charlie Ford. And they that was the last thing they wanted to hear. They, just, you know, they didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to hear it. And when Mom wrote her book, they started, you know, just screaming louder until it led to death threats on our second book. Oh, and just to back up, I wanted, I found, I remembered um, the lady who did the ballistics test. Her name was um, uh, Ka- uh, Katarina Bathock. Um She was a yeah. uh, firearms expert from New Mexico. And yeah. she she came out, I think it was on a Discovery Channel, but she came out and said that, um, the bullets, like the bullet, uh, would have been a lot larger. Um, the wounds would have been larger from mm-hmm. the the pistols they claimed that they shot them with. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Her name came to me. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's just that adds more detail to. The show, oh, oh yeah, that's fine. And 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 Dan, Daniel, uh, you were also uh, provided commentary on the uh, Saddle Ridge horde. And yeah, yeah, they they had asked me about that, um, and I don't know if that was Jesse or an allied group, you know, connected with Jesse. Um, I, I don't even know if it was a, a robbery. I asked him, you know, I told him I'd have to know more about the exact location of where it was, and I, then I could tell him more. But it it sounded like it fit those those. Uh, well, it it fell in line with a lot of the other legends that involved Jesse. And I know Jesse and Frank had been out to California several times, just because they one of their uncles lived in California at Paso Robles, California. I hope I pronounced that correctly, but uh, he had a he had a home out. He lived out there, and they would visit him often. I think that house is actually up for sale too. Are you talking about the the ranch, Danny, the Paso Robles ranch? Yeah, that ranch um, was is actually up for sale. Um, I know it was like last year, and no one bought it, of course, but. I thought that was interesting. I wish I had the money; I'd buy it. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, it was, it was the ranch where uh, you know Jesse's uncle lived. It's it's up for sale, and I would love to buy it. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah, we can get nice. uh, a, a few more book sales right after uh, the show, and just con- contact Amazon and get more <laughs> inner traditions and get your books. There we go. It, it's, it's Teresa listed, needs a new house. It's listed for thirty-eight million in California. Uh, well, okay, we'll need yeah. a few more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to send you the link, Mark Eddie, so you can look at it. It's really pretty, though. But yeah, thirty-eight million—that's a lot. 
you know, you know, for thirty-eight million, I, I ho- ho- hope it was. It had a nice view, quality house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks oh. nice. It looks like it's still really nice. Yeah. Okay. It's uh. Wow. Okay, so that <laughs> very impressive. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um. Yeah. So let let's help uh, Teresa get get this house. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and, right? and but maybe you can find the GoFundMe page. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That seems yeah. to be the the way that everyone else does it these days. <laughs> Help mm-hmm. Teresa, go fund me. <laughs> but but the 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 uh, uh, dates on the Saddle Ridge hoard uh, would fall into being contemporary with Jesse's. Um, Bank robbing days, and, and a, yep. after. But you know, if this, in the Knights of the Golden Circle, were interested in forming uh, their keeping the Confederacy going you know, after the Civil War, uh, and they just needed more time and money to you know, make. They're split from the union. Um, you know, the dates on all the coins do are are, are contemporary with uh, Jesse's uh, nefarious activity dates. Plus, you know, a little later. So, yeah, there is you know what we call it like circumstantial evidence that it, he could have been to California, like Teresa said. Yeah. That, or it could have been one of it, the ally. you know, their allied group. There were, there it, were a lot of outlaws in, in California too. So it, it could it, have been it, Jesse it, or someone associated with, with him. Or, you know, or you know, a later generations who were, you know, hoping to uh, pull off, the uh, Southern Secession. So, yeah. uh, now, when people claim, you know, people like to, like I mentioned earlier, they like to lump Jesse and Albert Pike and others in with that group. And there's no proof that they were. It wouldn't shock me if they were in part of that group. I mean, they were a Southern group, and that's the side they fought for. But when people... Um, People start talking about, you know, the goals of the Knights of the Golden Circle. They wanted to continue slavery and take over large portions of, uh, well, they wanted to take Central America and uh, I think the entirety of Northern South America and have Havana, Cuba as their headquarters. So, you know, that that was their goal, the stated goal or alleged goal. Um, I think you, you can't find documents or records of any of their meetings, so it's just a it's a claim, really. There's no, there's no proof. But the um, when when they try to you know lump Jesse and Albert Pike and others in there, you just have to remember there's no proof. And 
I know there, there's proof that, of course, that Albert Pike was a Freemason. There's proof that Jesse was a Freemason. So it makes you wonder, if they weren't in the Knights of the Golden Circle, could that have been a Masonic effort to help foil the KGC's plan? Could they have been a part of that? And it wouldn't shock me because a lot of Quantrill's guerrillas after the Civil War, if they had hated America as much as people claimed they did, they why would they have tried to volunteer in World War Two, World War One, the living ones, the ones that were still living, tried to volunteer to go over and fight the Kaiser in in, in Germany? I thought that was interesting. Um, they they uh, you know if they were so set against the United States, why would they bother trying to fight for them? Okay, that makes sense. But uh, yeah. The, I thought it was interesting that the secession idea was brought up during the show um, uh, because six, you know, roughly sixty some years earlier, Aaron Burr tried to do that with Harmon Blennerhassett's you know, about 80 miles uh, south of me. You know, it's just kind of like one of those, like, local legends. But, um, you know, there there has been this, um, what, occasionally reoccurring effort to um, leave America and form you know, another country, you know, the uh, you Knights know, of the Golden Circles, seems like it was kind of following like this uh, plan that Aaron Burr had. And it, 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 it was um, interesting that it, after the Civil War, it was being considered trying it again. And but I think uh, uh, Burr was uh, hoping to go to um, Mexico. Oh, where's the page? Uh, Burr's triumvirate was also beguiled by Mexico, which most Americans then imagined as an El Dorado of riches groaning under the lash of Spanish oppression. According to a friend, Burr ardently advocated bringing freedom to Mexico in its silver mines, which were producing two-thirds of the world's silver output. Uh, I thought that was interesting, like, you know, all the silver and gold, you know, the minerals from Mexico, you know, just been this lure uh, and allure to other people wanting to try. Yeah their own empire. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I know, well, and that goes back to, like, a, the the Vatican had a vested interest in a lot of the silver. I mean, you know, for how, how long had the Spanish taken silver from Mexico, silver and gold, from Mexico and sent it to Spain, who was, who were, you know, the Spanish were controlled by the Vatican for all intents. Well, I mean, they, they were... It just makes me wonder behind the scenes who was who was causing a lot of the strife 
throughout the, the centuries in Mexico. And then with the KGC um, and their plan, you know, their stated goals, of course, I say stated, you never hear it from them. It was always from someone claiming it was them, that that was their goal. Yeah, it, um, yeah, so, you know, there's some background there on the, um, Knights of the Golden Circle and, and uh, people, you know, after the show, people can go to the History Channel and, um, Watch for a little bit more detail, but you know we got enough to uh, kind of go into uh, another uh, stay on the subject of the TV show. But um, we, we can take it in the other direction. So, but um, you know you do have in both your books and several other you know recent guests. Um, have also uh, di- discussed the new Atlantis and it, it, what what's in the TV show says that things it, the, the fraternal organizations had started to change uh, you know, by the Civil War and from like the 1620s when Bacon published um, his uh, the the New Atlantis until 1860 that's uh, uh, like 240 some years um, like the Knights of the Golden Circle had gotten away from Bacon's vision of the, the new world and, and you know, uh, Dan, uh, uh both of you uh cover bacon in in the books you know, um more so in um lost templar treasure but what was the importance of um bacon's work as you know, like a Founding philosophy of modern Freemasonry. Yeah, uh, a lot of people say. Some people claim that's a, a, a theory, but and then other people say no, it's a fact that you know he was one of the founders or the founder of of uh, Freemasonry. And if you know, even if it wasn't him alone, it was a group he was involved with. It, it was a group of like-minded people. Um, who got together and decided to form, you know, Freemasonry. The Rosicrucians were also involved. Those are closely allied groups. Um, And a lot of Freemasons were Rosicrucians and vice versa. But um, their main goal, you know, throughout the centuries when Rome, Rome, you know, the Vatican uh, controlled a lot of uh, just about everything in the Western world. And if you spoke your mind said the world was round, things like that, you could lose your head. So, mm-hmm. so you know, there was very little liberty, very little freedom of thought. And if you did think something, you better keep it to yourself or that could be it. So, yeah, like Galileo. You know, wanted, yeah, and it held everybody back. 
I mean, it held society as a whole back, and which was what was so cool about the, the Renaissance period, you know, the Great Enlightenment. Um, they started breaking away from that slowly, and there was a lot of lot of struggle in you know mixed throughout the centuries there, especially you know all throughout Europe. But they um, their goal was to have a place. They knew of America, according to a lot of different historians and researchers. You know, people knew of it. The Vikings more than likely knew about it. Uh, if you watch, you know, Scott Walters. It was America Unearthed, the show he had for for several years. Um, there was a, he presented a lot of evidence about about the Vikings having been here, um, and others have done the same. So we, you know, it was pretty. I'd say it's a safe bet they knew about the New World. They they thought that's our perfect opportunity, and it wasn't just Freemasons and Rosicrucians. There were a lot of people who were just dying to get out and find a place that was free and literally dying. Uh, you know, just a place where they could have freedom of religion and a lot, just any, any shred of liberty, because at the time they didn't have much. So that was, I believe, the impetus to drive, you know, bring the treasures over. And if you're going to form a new country, you're going to need some, some kind of financial backing. And the, the treasures the Templar had that had disappeared, I believe, were buried here. And when when they came over, you know, people knew they wouldn't just bury it and walk away. They had to have left, let somebody know. So that to make a long story short, I think they brought the treasures over. The Freemasons and the Rosicrucians got an early foothold in America and took care. I think they were the overseers of the treasures and other information. Um, yeah, they wanted and, to and, use a lot of their knowledge. Oh, sorry, Danny. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, they wanted, I just, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you're the Mason. <laughs> but, um, you know, from my understanding, just a little bit of research I did on bacon, you know, they wanted to apply the what was considered the ancient knowledge. Um, they felt like it was lost throughout time and they wanted to use it to better mankind with, with you know, kind of resurface that mm-hmm. knowledge to, you know, improve, um, you know, all aspects of life, uh, you know, medicine, um, agriculture, engineering, and they felt like it was lost throughout time and they wanted it, you know, to bring back that knowledge. Was I wrong, Danny? I don't know. No, that do you, sounds perfect. Do you to, know more about it than yeah. I do? To empower mankind so that they can attain yeah. their next rightful state. Yeah. So all these Whereby people have God, in their head, yeah, it, it, you know, a uh, lot of people have in their head that these societies are like dark, secretive, you know, cults that have like sinister intentions. Um, but there's also the other side where, you know, a lot of people know that they were, you know, you can look at it like either way. Their intentions were in their head. They wanted to better mankind. And kind of like Elon Musk, like what he's wanting to do, <laughs> you know, he's wanting to improve the world and better things, and that's what they were doing. And a lot of times when people try to bring that um, that kind of knowledge forward and, you know, make better changes, it's always kind of they get attacked and people want to place them in these little categories like they're sinister and 
you know, shady and secretive and I don't know. It just. But, well, you know, Bacon did write, um, he, uh, uh, the speaker, uh, instituting that house for the finding out of the true nature of all things whereby mm-hmm. God might have the more glory in the workmanship of them. Yes. And in the uh, New Atlantis. Uh, cor- cor- correct. Yeah, that, that, and I, I view that book as a template for what they at least hoped America would be. And there's like non-GMO foods in there, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll try. And, well, uh, do a fourth show part. on that. <laughs> yeah. but, no, it's, it's in there. Uh, yeah. but, yeah. but but the whole. I this uh, you know it was you know basically you know a fantasy island. Uh, it 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 was set up as a college, like a college campus, mm-hmm. and it it it, it, it well like what, the ship of the men who who sailed there. You know where they ended up there in their ship. I was always interested in, I guess that was Francis Bacon's immigration policy was, you know, mm-hmm. we'll help you, help you make sure you're well stocked. If you need, if you need medical attention, we'll cure you and then, you know, stock you up and you can be on your way. And that, that I thought that was interesting, but uh, yeah, it was, it uh, they had institutions for learning and, you know, just the whole thing. It sounded like a, a great utopic. A, a utopia, and uh, that, mm-hmm. I, I believe that was that was the intended goal for what America was meant to be, or at least something along those lines. Right, and, and, and I think that was one of the interesting aspects of uh, your appearance on the show. Is and your section was you know, t- touching on. And it's also in, you know, throughout your first book is Bacon's vision and, you know, roughly 250 years later, um, you know, the golden circle word that discuss as being darker and it was interesting information to contrast the uh, two philosophies. Mm-hmm. And, um, that is interesting. Yeah, and since we're, uh, you know, you mentioned the Templars and, um, you know, the travel, like, uh, you know, Bringing treasures to uh, the the uh, new world, um, you, you know, there is that uh, shepherds of Arcadia painting. 
Mm-hmm. And you, know, you do cover that. Uh, you know, we've had Bill Mann as a guest. You know, he 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 goes into a lot of detail about the importance of that painting. But uh, it says something about um, the original Templars. Um, and kind of like pushing the boundaries where you know, they had to uh, for their own survival, they had to leave Europe. Um, you know, Scott Walter talks about the um, Kensington Runestone, and that was carved in what uh, 1362 or thereabouts. Yeah. They get the Sinclair voyage. Um, it, how uh, some of the uh, English or you know or, or British sailors uh, w- Went to can uh, stayed in Canada and they kind of kept the secrets. Um, by marrying into the uh, native uh, families here and like Oak Island's secrets are you know, the, the treasures removed, but um, no one knows where the secret. Is now kept, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it, it's just interesting how all after that thirteen oh seven attack, I mean, you, you get Scott State, uh, the you know we know the uh, on the Kensington Runestone, the Sinclair voyages. Uh, it, The exchange of information you know, going back and forth. Uh, you, you, have have you um, gotten into Roslyn Chapel? You, know, you kind of cover it a little bit in uh, the Lost Templar Treasure. And, you know, yeah. That's like kind of get, like getting into that Da Vinci Code stuff, where it's yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it's some really fascinating history. Uh, it is. I mean, Me and Danny and we wanted to visit that last summer when we plans to to visit that chapel, and then COVID hit. <laughs> so yeah. hopefully we can resume that plan now. Things since since things. I hope I hope you get get there. I can, oh, I did too. I'm not that big. I could probably fit in your suitcase. <laughs> Well, just the carvings alone in the, in the Rosalind Chapel, uh, so, some of the carvings of plants that were unidentified for ages until someone noticed they, the only, they exactly, they are exact, you know, down the fine detail there are uh, replicas or carvings of plants that are found here in the, in North America. 
and they don't grow any other place. They're just here in America. I think one was a trifoil. I can't remember the, the name of the plant, the complete name, but there and corn, for example, maize. Um, it only grew here. It, it wasn't there back then. So, you know, that, that that alone is a deep mystery. And then not to mention all the other, a lot of the other carvings. People have, people have theorized that a lot of them detail, um, oh, frequencies, um, cymatics, I believe is what you call it. It was a, uh, um, when sound vibrates on a plate, you know, the sand, if you pour sand on it, it will make a certain yep. shape. And they, they were saying that it, it was, yeah. And it, somebody even made a uh, a piece of music develop, patterned after the symbols on, on the ceiling. And I thought that, and it was, it was beautiful music. But um, Lewis Buff Perry, who is a, a cryptologist, he's supposedly, he's a very good code breaker, uh, I, he, there was a documentary with him I saw years ago. He was talking about the, uh, the, the, pillow, the pillow stone of Jacob and claimed that it had, been, it had been placed in Rosalind Chapel and then taken from, from Rosalind Chapel and was found by the Lavandry. I can't pronounce that name to, to save my life. Uh, the Lavandry Party. It was a a group of French explorers who found it in a, a sandstone pillar in Canada, and then it ended up in Jesuit hands, and the Jesuits were bringing it back. The man who ended up uh, building what was it was I'm starting some of these names are slipping my mind right now, but um, it was that the Jesuit ships were intercepted by a British naval officer. And he took he caught he caught I, I believe it was half the ships he he captured and brought them back. They were full of riches. And, and but the the important part in that story was that it included the pillow stone of Jacob or the alleged pillow stone of Jacob, and it, it made its route way all the way back to the UK. And it was cymatics, very very is that interesting what it story. Cymatics, yes. Yeah, cymatics. But yeah, it was a very interesting story alone, just with. Rosalind Chapel is full of a multitude of mysteries, and it's, oh, it's, yeah. I, I love getting into it. Oh, yeah. So one day, I hope we can go there. <laughs> yeah. hope it's sometime soon, then you can go to the uh, Amalfi Coast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, but, yeah. <laughs> that's number one on the list. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Beach but no, the, uh, always. <laughs> mentioning mentioning the new Atlantis, it remind you know it was like the the city, the utopic city or, or uh, nation that he had mentioned was like shining shined like a light to the rest of the world, and that reminded me of uh, you know the Sermon on the Mount in the, in the the New Testament of the Christian Bible, and also uh, Governor John Winthrop of the Massachusetts Bay Colony had quoted that when they first came over in 16, I think it was 1620 or 1630. When they came over in 1630 with colonists, uh, John Winthrop gave his famous, you know, like a a city on a hill shining its light to the rest of the world speech, which was based after all of those. It just, there's a lot of little things that carry on. And I thought, well, maybe he was getting that from the Bible and didn't know, 
you know, maybe he wasn't connected to Francis Bacon until I found out that his son, who was a governor south of him, uh, later on was a governor. He uh, he had his he had a correspond he was a big fan of John D. And John D was the famous alchemist who was also the mentor of Francis Bacon. And by the you know, then when you're talking about John D, the Newport Tower in Rhode Island also falls into the story because a lot of people claim that John D had that built. Because it's a fact that he wanted to start a colony here in America. And they just any it, it just it's all these people seem to just it's they're all connected in different ways, and it seems to lead back to Bacon, and then from Bacon back to the Templar. And when you're talking about all of those people and groups, you can't help but mention Rosicrucians, alchemists, the Freemasons, and others. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, and and you also were talk talk. Uh, well, you know, Bacon writes about. Um, uh, other books in the New Testament, which were not at that time written, but nevertheless, yeah. but nevertheless in the book. Um, and and he also just uh, 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 you know we were also talking about uh, Bacon also had a hand in the writing of uh, or the. Translation of um, you know, the King James version. Yeah, that's true. So, so what you know, if he's you know just publicly stating that you know there you know he's aware of other books not included in the New Testament, and yeah, you know, I think uh, a couple you know, like Rob Sullivan or someone. Uh, uh, said that you know, like the Book of Enoch, you know, kind of ha- had disappeared for fifteen hundred years, and, and it w- wasn't dis- uh, rediscovered until after Bacon's, you know, maybe uh, approaching a hundred years after Bacon's time. Uh, you know, what did he know that uh, in the sixteen twenties that were just figuring out now. Yeah. And, 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 and you can pass on to others. Yeah. And you, you can see where his being island would be set up as a college. Yeah. It, it, it makes perfect sense to me. And, you know, when you're talking about bacon, it always reminds me also of uh, Marie Bauer Hall. She was um, the wife of Manley Palmer Hall, famous 33rd degree Mason. Marie Bauer Hall's book, um, America, no, it wasn't America Unearthed. It was something unearthed. I can't remember the name of the title. I just said it the other day. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's like my mind's slipping me tonight. Um, Foundations Unearthed. That was the title of her book. She had mentioned, after she cracked the codes codes and ciphers that she had found in the works of Shakespeare, which she claimed, and many others have throughout the years, that Francis Bacon was actually the main author of. Um, even Mark Twain had, had, had you know, thrown in his hat in that argument, and he claimed Shakespeare couldn't have done it. It was Bacon and, and his peers. But anyway, um, 
she had found ciphers in the works of Shakespeare, connected those to Williamsburg, Virginia, and found the original foundations of a church, the, the Bruton Parish Church. And people had, you know, the experts of the day had ridiculed her. They thought she's crazy. There's, you know, this, there aren't any original foundations in existence because there weren't any. Uh, but she proved them wrong. She found the original foundations. And she went further, and you, she also used anagrams on some of the tombstones in the, in the graveyard at the church and located a vault that was, she said, was I believe it was 22 feet beneath the original foundations of the church. And uh, they, she, was, she started to excavate, and then she was put to a stop real quick. But make a long story short, she claimed in that vault she truly believed there, were, there was information that would shake the pillars of Western history along with a lot of our uh, religious beliefs. And she, she had – which makes me wonder, were some of those lost books that you were mentioning deposited – or copies of them anyway – deposited in that vault? Very interesting. Yeah, and she was put to a stop – they stopped the excavation. She tried to continue, and they basically ran her out of town and wouldn't allow her. Wouldn't, they haven't allowed anyone to search for that since then, at least publicly, huh. which I thought was interesting. I mean, she proved them wrong on one thing, so I'd say the odds of her being right on the vault increased tremendously. <laughs> Okay. Okay, and uh, you wrote that she uncovered that in 1938. I believe, yeah. And the vault was 20 feet below the original foundations. Yeah, I don't know why I said 22. That number has been popping up with me a lot lately. And that's a whole different side story. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, it's uh, well. Uh, you have more information on the vault on page twenty-two. Yeah, that's what. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that no. Anyway, that's a, that's probably a whole other show. Why do certain numbers pop up constantly? <laughs> but that's been happening to me all week. That and uh, three thirty-three keeps popping up. And, and 38 clock. million. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Now that'll be popped. That's oh, yeah. Teresa's number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Go find but, me. No, I'm joking. With all the uh, yeah, education that, that we've been discussing, um, you know, from Bacon, the uh, uh, Templars, uh, you know, what this information with which they returned to Europe after being in, in the Holy Land, you know, that, uh, that kind of stuff. The uh, Some of the artwork we've discussed. Um, the... the um, uh, show you the Freemason factor. Uh, also discussed uh, Prince Hall 
And oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was um a really interesting uh I thought section. So too. It, it, yeah, uh, that was really well done and uh the several commentators who yeah uh you know prov- provide some really uh detailed commentary uh, really showed that uh he in this uh what's like seventeen seventies uh prince hall a- actually it, it was really a pioneer in uh You know, oh, the civil yeah. rights movements. Uh, yeah. 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 It, 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 uh, do you want to talk a little bit about his importance and you know why he deserved to ha- have such a lengthy section in that sh- uh, episode? I think it could be boiled oh. down to he was extremely important. Uh, yeah. You know he was he was and he was also a prominent citizen in Boston at the time, but. In 1784, when he founded the Prince Hall uh, Lodge, at first, you know, it was met with backlash from from people in Boston and other places. But what I always found interesting was uh, it just falls in line. Everything he he strived for fell in line with the goals of Freemasonry, and that's yeah. probably what drew him to Freemasonry as well. It just it's you know the goals are very noble. And it's up to every person to try to to attain those goals. You know, be honorable and tell the truth. You know, don't don't discriminate against people. That's a big big goal. Um, and you and know, just just get along. Basically, that yeah, and the, just the fact that he established that during those times and was successful with it, just you know, is amazing in itself. He had a mm-hmm. lot of roadblocks, I'm sure. You know, so I mean. It was just a huge accomplishment. And he couldn't get a charter here in the States for a lodge. And I really admired that he went to England and got a charter. Well, he got a, he went to, he went, he contacted the uh, Grand Lodge of England and they gave, they granted a charter to him. And I thought that was very, that, that was amazing. That was, it was, it meant to be. Oh, Yeah. And I was also surprised, I, for me to find out, I wasn't aware of this. I'm sure Danny was, but I wasn't. But um, I thought it was interesting that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to, you know, become a Mason. I never knew that, and I thought that was really cool. And he was assassinated, I believe, shortly before he was initiated. Yeah. Or supposed to be initiated. And that mm-hmm. also brings up another thing. Um, Benjamin Franklin, for example, um, you know, he was famous Freemason, one of the founding fathers, and he was responsible for pushing through and forming a um, a school for 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 black children in in Williamsburg, Virginia. And I thought, you know, that that just fell in line. Everything Prince Hall, or Prince Hall fought for, it was it fell in line with Masonry, basically. I mean, I know people. And it and those were different times, but at the same time, he didn't let the, um, the obstacles before him stop him, and he did it in a peaceable manner, which is exactly it just falls in line perfectly with Freemasonry. 
And yeah. I'm glad they continue that. Mm-hmm. And during the end of the show, um, they had spoken about um, really uh I forget which commentator it was. Um, it, 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 it point really doesn't make any difference. Um, you know, if you're, uh, you know, what uh, race you are and, and nationality, uh, you know, the faith um, that. You're just a considered a, a you know, brother in the fraternal organization, and mm-hmm. you know, that idea um, can go back. Uh, or we have some other uh, another example from the uh, second half of the 18th century with. Um, I, uh, from our friend uh, Dr. Bob Hieronymus and Laura Cortner's uh, Founding Fathers Secret Societies book mm-hmm. and um, I found an example of um, the Mohawk War Chief Joseph Brandt um, um, went to England and later on at um, at the uh, Battle of Cedars during the uh, Revolutionary War. Um, I guess it must have been on the border uh, with uh, in in Canada. Um, it was along the St. Lawrence River. Um, there's who's the guy? There's uh, so, some colonel. Um, oh, uh, Colonel John. McKinstry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was uh, the colonel was captured, and uh, Brent, uh, he, you know, I, I guess he was trying you know, trying to save his own life, um, and I guess he made some attempt to make a Masonic sign, and Chief Joseph Brandt. Uh, recognized it and uh, saved him from being burned at the stake. So yeah. it, it um, shows, you know, like there, the brotherhood um, is is recognized across various cultures. Yeah, it and that that's another thing that amazes me the the fact that well. There was a time in Spain when 
Christians, Jewish people, well, people of different faiths, you know, uh, uh, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity could get along, sit down and discuss topics, uh, theories, math, all, all sorts of things. And everybody, you know, got along peaceably. And that, that, that's pretty much the goal. The, the main goal is, for, you know, just everyone accept each other, peace and harmony, you know, or just prevailing globally. That is a great dream. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's what uh, came across on the uh, History Channel show. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, as you work on the next book, you know, Ter- Teresa, have you found any new information? What are you? How are you contributing to the new book? I wish I could say that I was contributing, but I'm not. <laughs> this was all on Denny. Um, I su- <laughs> no, I mean, I've heard this stuff. I'm he's doing all the legwork. So, are, are are you looking through any of the diaries for some new information? Have you on found anything on, it, it, in the upcoming book? Yes. Yes, uh, yeah, I used the diary. I've already written it, and I'm just awaiting the editor to to contact me. But um, it 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 has information from the diaries, and then ex- I expanded on that to uh, other people who were known to be related by blood and or marriage to Jesse and his family. And there's there's a lot of there's a couple of shockers in there for some people, but it, it's. Very interesting, and it also, you know, and, and they weren't just. <laughs> I'm trying not to give away too much, but if people who were related to them, you know, by marriage and or blood, and also um, including some not too well, fairly recent politicians, very powerful politicians, and uh, it just shows um, a link. And I, there's, I'm not saying anything good or bad. I'm just stating the facts. Uh, it shows a link between Jesse, um, some groups, and and other people. <laughs> I hope that wasn't too vague. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, I can't wait to talk about it. I'm just I don't know if I I don't I'm not supposed to talk about it until they're ready to to put it out in the catalog and stuff. So uh, okay. Well, we, uh, it, yeah, there's a lot of information, and it ties in. It's a much larger scale. Well, uh, just just let us know. We'll we'll have both of you return for. Part I'll give you three. one teaser. Um, one teaser on that would be uh, he was related to Clement Vallandigham, who was a big player in the Knights of Golden Circle. But okay. there's no proof that he was a part of the Knights of Golden Circle. But he was related to the a big guy in the Knights of Golden Circle. <laughs> so, I, okay. I, I, I want trust me. I love talking, and I want to just 
rattle on for hours about that, but I, I'm I'm fighting I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Uh, well, we'll do uh, two hours on it when when you're allowed to talk. Okay. I look forward to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know what we're you know discussing with the um, diversity and. Uh, accepting diversity, um, education, uh, travel, uh, meeting new people, et cetera, in you know, foreign lands. Um, where, where do we get the – go from the um, – that novus ordo seclorum on the one dollar bill to the um, new world order and the nefarious connotations to the fraternal organization secret societies and I've heard a lot of people talk about that over the years, claiming that it was, you know, it was a one-world government, and you know, then mm-hmm. they tie that back to the Book of Revelation and in the end of the New Testament of the the Christian Bible, saying that, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's it's part of the end times and and all that sort of thing. It just they claim it's satanic and that the eye on the pyramid is the eye of of Horus, who they claim is also the eye of Satan. And, you know, if you go back to churches in Europe throughout the years, there are a lot of things that they claim are evil today, which were a common Christian symbols. Um, and, and also, like the eye, for example, it was the, it was the, just the eye of providence, you know, like the eye of God. Nobody said it was the eye of God. They just said the eye of providence. Um it wasn't anything dark and sinister. It was just an eye. But like Novus Ordo Seclorum is just a new order for the ages or of the ages. And and it it was, I mean, if you look at the foundation, founding of America, that was a whole new country. And it was a new way of thinking and, and with liberty and freedom. And, and it was, you know, we've shaken, we've shaken up the world over the years, the short time we've, we've been a nation. So I, mm-hmm. I take it as meaning, you know, we're, it's a new way of doing things. And, uh, and I mean, it's not yeah. that we have plenty of troubles, as any nation would, but we, we've, I think, done pretty good. Okay. No, it, it, it's but, you know, just interesting to hear the uh, diverse views of secret societies and you know, skull and bones is not, you know, like part part of it. But you know, I I think most people would agree that the New Atlantis does um, give people something to strive for. You know, some kind of hope. Oh yeah, you know, definitely. I, 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 yeah, it, it's you know, sometimes when you hear, you know, from other 
commentators or hosts is different from um, the modern foundations that you you might read in Bacon's works. Um, Yeah. Well, and back to the I, I I don't mean to keep talking about this, the I constantly, (laughs) but in, um, I, I remember there were some Jewish catacombs that were uncovered in Rome, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and they they you know the a photographer went down and took great photographs of of these catacombs, and one of the designs or murals on the wall was of what they said you know it was it was a representation of the Ark of the Covenant, and on that on the Ark of the Covenant the drawing of it or, or the mural. They um, it had a one big eye, and I thought that was interesting. I mean, it, to me, you know, that it it was a religious symbol, and it wasn't a uh, it was a benign religious symbol, in, in my opinion. So I just wanted to put that out there. It, it well, and also like the 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 pentagram, you used to see that in ancient churches all through Europe, but now mm-hmm. when people see it, it's a whole different connotation, you know. It's just really, really interesting how how a symbol can go through centuries as a benign symbol, and then get turned into a I guess conspiracy theorists grab them and they turn them into to dark sinister meanings, and and the society as a whole just kind of they they don't have anything to look back at or they they don't have the time, but they 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 hear that and they think oh that's evil and it, it spreads like fire and it's not evil at all. Yeah. Um. Uh, just uh, um. The Reim Cathedral that has like a like one of the major stained glass windows is in the form of a, a pentagram. Mm-hmm. Um. Now what? Which cathedral was that? Reim. Okay. I might yeah, I might be saying the wrong one. Um I don't have my book in front or my photo album in front of me. Um I don't know what, yeah, I, see, like, I see some drawings. I just looked that up. Agrippa's man grabbed in the pentagram. There's a lot of people talking about that. I've seen other uh just like abandoned ancient churches in in small villages in France and in other places mm-hmm. throughout Europe. I've seen photos of those and and a lot a lot oftentimes you'll see some have pentagrams. And uh mm-hmm. w- the description I've read was you know whatever direction it was some people claim if the the when it's pointing up that's referring to you know to the spirit above when it's pointing down it's referring to the spirit below. But I could also you could also take that into a lot of different meaning. Every symbol. One thing I read in Morals and Dogma that I really loved about uh, Albert Pike's writing. He was talking about how every symbol has multiple meanings, and the deeper you look, just learning the language of symbols is is uh, it's an amazing thing. Um, buildings, for example, angles on buildings. You can read all kinds of stuff into that, and it it. it it's anyway. I could go on that for hours. Sorry, <laughs> but it's very interesting to me. Yeah, I, I was trying. 
uh, just trying to think of uh, which cathedral that, and I think it's in one of Scott's books too. Um, but it, it's it's it, it, you know this show is uh, similar well, that to that. Also goes ties. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh yeah, it, but it, it, you know, I was just you know going to say it, it, it's similar to what. Um, Miguel Connor was talking about a couple weeks ago with you know, just uh, looking at the Gnostic Christians. You know, I found it. You know, what, Amy and you know, what was uh, which one? Amien. Yeah, yeah, yeah Amien. Uh, that uh, that's it. I'm sorry. I I just uh, I forgot where I was 30 years ago. That's it. <laughs> But the, Wait, uh, you were yeah, there just, at that cathedral. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, and, yeah and, I'd love to see those pictures. And like the uh, next next day, uh, I went down to Giverny to Monet's house. And was, wow. And I was kind of like uh, winding up my uh, trip through France and. Flying home oh, in a few days. Awesome. Wow. Man, that would be a story. That would be. I would love to hear that. <laughs> your adventures. Well, you know, we need to hear your adventures. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> there's other symbols <laughs> like uh, the scallop shell, for example, on the Camino de mm-hmm. Santiago, which runs from France down to Spain. They uh, people take the scallop shell as a, a, a Christian symbol, and it's used that way. But before. In pre-Christian times, that route was still taken by pilgrims who who had different beliefs, and they scallop the scallop shell ties into all kinds of uh, alchemical meanings, but it can also be be represented as Venus. And then when you start digging in deeper to a lot of this stuff, Venus and Eve, you know, share the same archetype in many ways. And it just it goes that that leads off down a, a lot of other rabbit holes. <laughs> but it's interesting how symbols take on a different meaning, or people attribute different meanings to them. And and over the years, they they kind of lose, or the other meanings fade into time, but end up circling back around later on. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's just one of the interesting things about tonight's show is. Uh, how, how the meanings change, what are me, uh, the meanings, uh, you know, d- dispelling myths. That's been a very, yeah. very informative show. Oh, yeah. Well, I also, and, you know, you could even attribute that to the swastika that Hitler used. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it had been used long before he used it, and it wasn't – it had no evil intentions or, or meanings behind it until he he started using it. And that when most people in the world see that sign today, that's what they think of. They don't think of the, the previous uh, meanings of that symbol. And even Native Americans, some Native Americans used a similar symbol to the mm-hmm. swastika, which was representative of the four winds. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it, it's it, very interesting. Yeah, and it goes back you know, thousands of years prior to uh, – Hitler adopting it for his symbol for Nazis. Mm-hmm. And that's when Indiana Jones had to come in. <laughs> yeah. There you go. 
<laughs> and he he stopped the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with um, you know your inclusion of Jesse's uh, diary. At the end of um, your mysterious life and uh, fake death book of uh, Jesse James, um, did did you learn anything uh, about him that you see in yourselves? Like times may change, but you know, I saw the video of Teresa riding the Harley with. The bad biker oh. boys, like is that? that's a long story. Or, 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 or there's some things that, yes, thoughts or uh, behaviors that you see. In yourself, that you know, maybe some kind of like DNA being passed on, like genetic recall. Yeah, yeah. We, I think everybody in the family has little examples of that. But if, in my opinion, our late mother was very much like Jesse. Oh yeah, <laughs> she was. My, whereas, whereas I, I'm reading about Jesse's mother, I had I I've gotten better about it, but I had a tendency to be a lot like his mother. She was known as being, and for a woman in her day in the frontier, she, she, uh, it's good. Well, she was very outspoken and didn't hold back on anything she thought. She'd tell people what she thought. And if, when it came to politics, she was like a firebrand. I mean, she would just, and I, I had a tendency in the past to be a little like that. Um, but after I recognized, after reading about her, and I thought, oh, my God, I do the same thing. <laughs> I need to quit this. But, uh, I mean, there were other tendencies. But that, that actually reading about the family has helped me better myself as a person. But, um, y- yeah, I think mom was a lot like Jesse. I, I tended to be a lot more like his mother. And Teresa a good question. She looks a lot like she looks a lot like one of Jesse's daughters. And uh, but I feel like I, I have Teresa, some of his... Teresa acts a lot like Jesse. She she yeah. has a lot of mannerisms that he had. Her personality can be a lot like his at times, especially if she's yeah. mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> we won't go into that though. <laughs> no, no. I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> Some secrets need to stay below the surface. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm I, I'm with Danny. I think you know, with it, I think there's a little bit of we all in the family have a little bit of that. Um, I don't know if it's like an adrenaline rush that we're looking for or I don't know. Like we just kind of like the fear is there, but it doesn't stop us from pursuing certain things. Kind of like this story. 
<laughs> no. But mom uh, always yeah. said the family had a a wide wild streak in them, and uh, yeah, it it she blamed every gray hair she had on me at the time. But uh, <laughs> you know, and then later on you realize you know it's it's don't risk your life for for just for just to risk it. And so I I started putting putting it into more positive arenas. That oh sense. yeah, that's a good way to yeah. So you kind of have energy. to rechannel, yeah, yeah. rechannel the po- energy. Positive. Yeah, but with you know the quarantine and COVID from last year, it's kind of yeah. like that. And I think I can say this for the, all of the world. Like I think everyone's just going to be going crazy once everything fully <laughs> opens up. Yeah. I mean, it's like people are just that's probably you when know, we should stay at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had well, you had the double lockdown with uh, getting frozen inside for a, a few days over the winter. Oh, that was terrible! Wow, that, yeah. yeah I oh, and Teresa, five days one more thing about water. Teresa. She uh, hey, she had to hey. go to the bank. No. She had to go to the bank the other day. And oh yeah. She, so she goes to the bank, and they said, you know, you had to have a mask on. To enter the bank, and she, yeah, she came out weird. and said, "Boy, that felt strange wearing a mask in the bank." And she, you know, it kind of yeah. she, it made her happy. So yeah, <laughs> it, it was just kind of funny. So weird. Was, we were laughing about that. Yeah, because that was my first time to actually go. Like when I go this whole time with, through the quarantine, I just I go through the drive-through at the bank. I haven't gone in, so it was my first time to actually go in the lobby with the mask on, I was like, this just feels all kinds of weird. <laughs> yeah. it, it should be natural for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, we it, definitely it, have a devil may care personality. We've had to learn great discipline throughout the years, though. Danny worded it perfectly. We just channel it into something positive, like the research. Like, we've learned to, like, kind of, you know, yeah, just channel it into something that we can focus on that's positive. (laughs) And growing up and aging, you know, that helps, too. Getting older, maturing. Well, Well, I mean, you go. But you know, Teresa, when you go into the bank, you know if the teller has read your book, um, <laughs> they would be a little scared, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, are, are you following Dr. Fauci's protocols, or is she really here to you know knock off the bank? I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thankfully, with the mask well, on, they can't see who it is. <laughs> well, there is a story about that. We went into a bank with our mo- our late mother. Uh, to, to you know, when we we had the diary, we thought, well, we need to make sure this is a much safer place after it had been transcribed. So we took it to a safety deposit box, and I, we we were laughing. How weird is this? Putting Jesse James's diary in a safety deposit box, and uh, you know, Mom told the banker, and he got he acted he visibly he was visibly nervous after Mom told him about who you know Jesse James. And uh, I, we thought that was interesting. We were, we told them, you know, there's nothing to worry about. We're not, you know, we're just putting this in the safety deposit box. But he, he literally 
was very nervous. Started sweating the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and it, it I just have seemed five. odd. I guess that's a topic you you don't want to joke about with them, especially. But you know, but it just seemed strange. I mean, it was a historic artifact, historic, you know, in a family heirloom, and we were just putting it in a safety deposit box. It made him nervous. <laughs> yeah, and I I remember one time I applied. It was a long time ago, but I applied for a job. I was looking for a job, and it was a bank in Liberty Hill, and um, they it was right around the time when my mom had her first book published, but he acted, he was like really, like I didn't get hired for that job, <laughs> and he brought up the book, and you know, how I felt about our ancestors being bank robbers, <laughs> and I guess it didn't dawn on me till later, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're sitting here writing this book, and I'm applying for a job with the bank. And, yeah, he, he acted really weird about it, and I didn't get the job. <laughs> so that was the last thing uh, I applied for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I I, uh, yeah, I was like, no yeah, bank. Yeah, you, you might want to change your resume a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you killed it handling that was money. So funny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, he uh, was really it, serious asking those questions, and I was like, "Wow." I mean, just because my ancestor did it didn't mean I, I'm going. <laughs> works well with ambiguity, skills yeah. in in making deposit or withdrawals. <laughs> <laughs> We we would years later we would laugh about that. I came home and I told my mom about that interview. She just she just died laughing. She couldn't get over that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so when, and when you go to the bank, you know, like you really don't need to fill out a withdrawal slip. You can just tell them take however much you got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thirty-eight million, to be precise. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're doing this. <laughs> we're like looking into new forms of currency. So me and Danny have gotten really into the uh, the cryptocurrencies. Are you familiar with the the cryptocurrencies, Mark? Um, so I've heard like a little bit about them. Yeah. So it's you know it's all it's it's a digital form of currency, and so me and Danny have been getting into that more. Yeah. So you know, okay. cash is slowly becoming obsolete. I think so. Bank robbers will well, become obsolete. All right, just get get someone else's password and sh- shift yeah. it over to your your account and. <laughs> No, 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 no one gets shot, but it's still like bank robbery. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be a new form of, yeah, and digital bank robbers now. (laughs) We're living in crazy times. (laughs) Yeah, and just just say it's in in my DNA. I can't help myself. So (laughs) you can't, I can't be convicted. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But it, you know, we're we have like 
I don't know, about five minutes left or so, but uh, it, yeah, I, I, uh, maybe one quick question. It, 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 in the um, TV, sh- the History Channel show, it, yeah, they showed a uh, uh, old drawing of uh, ascending to the top of the. Uh, masonry pyramid and like on the left hand side I don't know, like, you know maybe there's 33 steps and on the right hand side there's like six steps that were much larger and it's would be covered the, the same right distance mm-hmm. uh, uh, what was that uh, oh I was that would be the York right side with the oh, short, uh, the, the larger but fewer steps uh, the side okay, it, with the uh, – but they were all normal-sized were uh, – that's the mm-hmm. Scottish right. Oh, I, okay. So it, uh, I, I was just looking for an explanation for that um, That draw. It, it's like, okay, I, there's kind of like the balance there, but the steps had to uh, – um, yeah, it's kind of threw me off in interpreting what it meant, and you know, like there are all the other, uh, you know, several other symbols on, on there. Um, but yeah, you know, th- thanks for clarifying that. I, I wasn't sure what. I always liked that too. They, I, I used to have somewhere in one of my files. I have a, a copy of that. A large, you know, a lot of pixels, high detail. It was in a magazine years ago, but then I found a good photo of it. And I just like keeping that. But yeah, it was the, uh, you know, the the bottom is the the regular lodge, the first three degrees, mm-hmm. and then then the, um, it, well, from the viewer's side, it would be on your left. On your left side was the Scottish right, and on the right side is the York right. Okay. No, uh, I didn't understand uh, the symbolism, and uh, you know we're getting kind of low on time, and you know uh, maybe next time we can talk about uh, maybe some of the William Blake uh, paintings. Yeah, Yeah, those are pretty interesting as well. But um, you know, uh, with the remaining three minutes or so. Kind of, you know, let everyone know how they can uh, uh, find your books, et cetera, contact you. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Well, our books are available anywhere books are sold. Uh, Jesse James and Lost Templar Treasure or The Mysterious Life and Fake Death of Jesse James, which is by me and my sister, Teresa Duke. Um, You can find the books at at the our publisher's website, innertraditions.com, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and, and anywhere books are found. And if you'd like to, to uh, if if you're ever looking for us on Twitter or Facebook, we're on we're both on there. You can look for Dan Duke, author, or you can just type that in a search window and find me. And I had to I had to specify author because it shocked me at how many other Dan Dukes are out there. But uh, and on Facebook, it's basically the same thing. Just look for Dan Duke author. 
And you, Teresa? Oh, yeah, Facebook. Um, I, uh, Teresa Duke author. Um, Twitter, uh, Teresa Duke. Um, I think, oh, and Instagram. I'm on Instagram as oh, well. And we keep our website. I have a website, and we keep our late mother's website up because that's got most of the Jesse James information. Her website is jessewjames.com, his middle initial. What was that? I think Teresa's also getting uh, pilot, uh, air, airport in- oh, okay. information coming in. All right. I <laughs> <Yeah>. thought, wow. <laughs> but, yeah, jessewjames.com, or you can look me up. Uh, it's uh, dandukeauthor.com. So all I've got right now, I need to revamp. I'm revamping the website, so if they don't look that great, just give me some time. I'm, I'm getting those together. <clears throat> okay. Well, I just want to thank uh, both of you for being guests. Uh, tonight, and you know, uh, be glad to have you back when the next book comes Tell out. Uh, you know, we would love and, that, and we enjoyed tonight as well, Mark. Uh, I had a great time too, and you know, we're just about out of time. So we'll we'll uh, we have a bunch of shows tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and you know, we'll see everyone next week. Uh, t- take care, everyone. Thank you, uh, Teresa and Dan. Thanks, Barbara, for producing this, and see everyone tomorrow night.